night, Sunday night, 7 o'clock time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Hope everyone is having a jolly Sunday evening. Jerry in Portland, Jim hanging out in the studio. Jim, it's another Sunday, the last Sunday in July. Uh, how is everything going? Well, it's the fifth Sunday, and, and, and it's typical on, uh, on, on the multi- person talk shows usually there's a special extra person on the fifth sunday like someone does the discussion the first sunday and someone does the discussion the second and fourth and then they always have an extra person because because there isn't there's only a couple of fifth sundays well we do all the fifth sundays <laughs> there aren't that many. is that a thing that's like right common is or is do i know? don't i don't number one it has to be like, is it tied to, like, the, oh. the leap year where there's only two, no, like, two no, weeks no. in February is, or some weird thing no, like th that? No, this is a mathematical thing. There has to be more than 28 days in a month, which is almost all the months. But it has to... The the Sunday has to be like the first or the second. You follow we me? Need, we need a we need a calendar expert to clarify this for us. You're not paying attention. I just clarified it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, no, I got you. I got you. Um, so I had one other thing I wanted to talk about briefly, and I think that this is somewhat sports related, so I figure oh, it's worth geez. worth mentioning. What? No, I, no, no, no. You you get this because okay. we've both in our athletic careers. Uh, I didn't prep you for this at all, by the way. Right. Um, in, in our athletic careers, we've dealt with injuries. I have had the experience the last five days of, of dealing with a type of injury for the first time. It, it's, mean, it's a very interesting experience where, like, I know what to do if I sprain my ankle. Oh, I, I know what to do if I tweak my back. I know what to do if I have a headache. I had no idea what to do for four days after I sprained a rib. Yeah. It was a... It, it was a weird experience as an athlete dealing with an injury that I had never dealt with before. It's a new one, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was new. I, I think that's the same. Um, geez, I, in, in, when I was playing basketball in Europe, I had a jaw injury in a game. And yeah. they had to like wire my jaw or something. I, I remember, I remember. So my one of my favorite England stories. Anyone that goes to the dentist here without dental insurance can can relate to this. I went to the dentist. They had to wire my jaw, fix my jaw, and and uh, I was in there for about an hour and a half. And I think it cost nineteen dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, national yeah. national health care, and, and um um. But I, I remember, you know, having say same thing. You know, do, can I tape this up? Can I play with it? Is it dangerous? Right. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It was it was bizarre. Uh, it was a very very bizarre experience. For Did me. you run um, on it? Did you run on it today? You never told a little me. bit. I kind of eased my way back in. I have a, another chiropractor's appointment tomorrow. Uh, went against my chiropractor's wishes a little bit. Uh, by working out a little bit today, she wanted me to take it easy for another till tomorrow, so she could take a look at it. But I got a light, got a light run in today, so that that felt good. Sounds like your sounds like your chiropractor has some training experience yeah. too. Is yeah, that true? she's she's. I got really lucky that I found her. She's a chiropractor with a physical therapy athletic background. Wow. So it's like this really nice blend of of of, of everything. 
Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Sports Phone. So if you are new to the show for the next 55 minutes and change, uh, Jim and I are going to be talking about sports. And more importantly than that, we are going to open up the phone lines and let you, the callers or listeners, uh, call in and talk about whatever you would like to going on in the world of sports. It can be professional, college, high school, rec league, whatever it is. Jim and I want to hear about it, and we want to talk about anything going on in the world of sports. We uh, want to hear your opinions on things. You can ask us questions. We might turn that around and ask you questions. It's an open forum. Whatever you guys want to talk about, as long as it is sports-related, we want to hear about it. The number to call to do that is 707-895-2448. But before we get to that, we are going to make this a consistent segment on this show, Jim. We're doing it. We're going to stick to it. Uh, last week, we had our first edition of the Sports Phone Sports Quiz we're going to introduce it again this week. So for listeners, before Jim introduces the question, uh, very simply, at the beginning of the show, Jim and I are going to introduce a sports trivia question. Do whatever you'd like to try to get the answer. You can call in, give us the answer. Um, we might, if we have an opportunity, we might bring it up again a second time if nobody answers and we have a chance to ask the question if you're coming in late to the show. We might do that. We may not. just kind of depends on how the show is going. Um, but we're going to always do the question at the beginning of the show. So with that, I will give it back to you. Jim, what is our trivia question for C today? Can't find the – I mean, have I – did it sound like when you were explaining that? Did you hear me rustling around in here? I, I can't find the, the bell dinger so when someone gets it wrong. Oh, oh yeah. Got to get the bell. My guess is there's probably on, on this array somewhere, Rich has probably got a – a bell sound or something but i there was a bell here last week and i can't find it so i'll just go ding 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 when someone gets it the and and this segment is called the sports phone trivia quiz sure um two sports have been played on the moon name the sports and for extra credit name who played the sports Sports being played on the moon. 707-895-2448. And with that, the lines are wide open. We have no interview today. Um, um, local football is getting rolling, Jerry. The high schools are playing. All, what, two teams that have football in, in the local area? <laughs> it's funny you say that. No, I was thinking more Fort Bragg. I joke. I was okay. thinking yeah, more, yeah, more yeah, Fort Bragg. Yeah, no, but that's what I said. Um... Over in Laytonville, one of my favorite coaches, I almost went to his 50th birthday party last week. Josh Firks was 50, and he, um, he's he got football going in Laytonville, and they're all excited about it. I, um, in in, in uh, Fort Bragg, in my, in my practice, I work with a mother of a Laytonville kid that, that, that's so excited because her kid's going to, ninth grade kid's going to be able to play football. And it's funny how you said that because the first thing that came up was, who are they going to play? And and then it turns out um, Covalo usually has it for a while. Boonville sometimes does. Point Arena sometimes does. Then there's um, Upper Lake always does. There's a bunch of schools, bigger schools, that have gone to um, eight-person eight football. Oh, good. So, so the so, pool has expanded a little bit yeah, in terms the, of the options for those schools. Right. If you want to go to San Francisco, some of the private schools, like Stewart Hall, play a... Uh, Eight-man eight football. Eight yeah, so, so there are, and some of those uh, uh, private schools in Santa Rosa that we play in basketball, a couple of the Christian yeah. schools. and So, so anyway, there, there's enough to play, you know, six or eight games. Good. But I, I, I don't know Good. about um, league championship. Hello, you're on the sports phone. 
Oh, good. Well, I've got one sport that was played on the moon. I don't know if we should take take a partial answer. Sh- should we, Jer? No, we'll take a we'll take a partial answer. All right, go ahead. <laughs> okay, the first sport was um, golf. Um, the got the uh, astronaut Alan Shepard smuggled two golf balls and part of a golf club onto the spacecraft, and uh, he attached the um, the six iron head to some kind of tool that he had on board, and uh, he hit his both of his balls. But I don't know. Yep. I guess he just hit him into space. Yeah, it's it's a way to litter up there. You hit, hit something, and it just keeps going. Yeah, really. Just, uh, <laughs> and so the club is actually, I, I found this out not too long ago, uh, the club is now on display at the USGA Golf House. I'm assuming that's some sort of, like, <laughs> museum of some sort of in Far Hills, New Jersey. Oh, that's great. All right. We, we actually, that, you get a ding for that, because I was going to say ding, ding when the answer came in. I can't find the, the buzzer. I can't find the bell. But we got one. We got one in the sports, the sports phone trivia. One of the sports played in the moon was was by Alan Shepard, and it was golf. And the second one, let's see if anyone gets it. Thanks, okay, for, the, thanks for the call. That was pretty quick, Jer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I actually thought, you know, before I looked it up and before you told me about this one, when you just asked me, I, I don't know why, but I knew golf had been played. It makes sense. Like, it, it seems like an <laughs> obvious one where you just kind of, you know, tee up a ball in the moon. and. Just yeah, I think, I think a lot of people know it wasn't five-on-five five or three-on-three three basketball. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's no game of pickup basketball being played on the moon in mm-hmm. suits. Oh, 707-895-2448. Give us a call if you've got anything you want to talk about going on in the world of sports. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're, uh, we're in a good spot here to get started. Let's get, uh, let's Jim, get, what do you want to – yeah, go for it. I, I want to do this day in sports. I, I, I like sure. it because I'm amazed at how often this day in sports, um, even if it's not about one of the topics that I bring up, something you bring up about it, a lot of times it, 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 it moves us to the next topic. Uh, 2007, this was an interesting one. So this is um, what happened on July 31st, this day, July 31st, today, in 20, I'm sorry, 2007, 2007. Kevin Garnett was traded for seven players. It's the most people at that point that had ever been traded for one player. And all seven players came from the same team. It wasn't a multi-team. I think it was Minnesota. They yeah. gave seven players and for Kevin Garnett. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. You got any, anything interesting about that, Jer? Uh, that was the beginning of the modern super team, I think. Really? It, him, Ray Allen, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. Because you got to remember, Ray Allen came to Boston that same year. And Paul Pierce was there, heart and soul. Yeah, Paul Pierce was already there, yeah. Uh, so I think that was uh. the, the... I mean, there, again, you, there's the... Oh, there's like kind of the older versions of super teams, like the Lakers and the Bulls and stuff. But that I think was the modern era super team. Then, if we're going to say it's the beginning of the super team, we we must have a definition. Let's hear it. What's the def? Let me, and you don't have a lot of time here. You got thirty seconds to give me the definition. Your definition of what is a super team? I think it's. I would say it's three or more all star or top. Three or more level in, players. That's a number I was looking at. Three yeah, or more. Yeah. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Yeah, I had a guest 
for your sports played on the moon. Okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> I'm just conjecture here. Was it track and field, like the high jump or the long jump? Oh, boy. It, you, you, I the, know, the answer is the answer yes and no. I'll, I'll take the answer there. It, I, I'm going to give him yes, it's a track and field event. No, it's not either of the ones you said. You can't. Oh, I mean, I would have done it. Literally, like, one giant leap for mankind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. One giant leap. But couldn't you high jump indefinitely? That would be a terrible well, sport. Then. I'd be a little bit afraid of if I was going for the sporting aspect of it. But like I said, I had no idea. I was just throwing a guess out there for y'all. We so. have given a clue, though. It is, it, is, <laughs> it is a track and field event. Okay. Well, then I'm yeah. going to hang up to hear the answer. Thanks. <laughs> Good I guess. It. I like I like the fact like that you actually guessed without looking it up on the Internet. Now, now Jim, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much here because we're going to get into some stuff that I really don't know a lot about. The moon does have gravity, right? So if you were to jump, you are coming back down. Yeah, it's not thing. like there's no gravity on the moon. It's less gravity. It's There's less gravity. Yeah, I, I like it. If we're going to get into the sports played on the moon, I, I think that's a very important because then we could have the high <laughs> jump, and it would just be uh, much higher. The, the the record would be higher. Right. Right. Sure. 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 Hmm. Wow. Okay. So that's that's uh, that's on the table. And uh, yeah, I was going to give a clue. If, if uh, it's it's sort of the golf of it's it's one of the golf events of uh, of track and field. <laughs> That's no, a, I don't that's know if that helps at all. I know. 2012, <laughs> July 31st, 2012. Michael Phelps. I had no idea about this one. I, I knew. I know how famous he is and all. But there's been a lot of good athletes since then in the Olympics. He he won his 19th career medal and his 15th gold medal. Now that I had no idea a human anybody had got 19 medals. In, in the, yeah. uh, I so I remember Phelps more. I think it was in 2008, I, when mm. when kind of like the the run started where he was just winning like every swimming event, and then I think 2012 was the kind of the taper off year a little bit because it says he did it as part of the relay team. Um, but yeah, yeah, but, no, he, still, yeah, but those count really as gold medals, and he's got lots of medals. He's got right. lots of lots of medals on on uh, on um, on relay teams. That's not just something you do. do you, as you're, you don't just do the the relay chair when you get old. Sure. No. No. I know yeah. that. I I know that. I know that. Do you think this, that that that's a is that is that stat impressive that he has the most medals in Olympic history? I the isn't the number of events he competes in kind of like diluting that that stat a little bit. Yeah, but someone's got to have the most medals, regardless of the reason. Like you can't, you can't, you know. Michael Jordan's never going to have um, nineteen gold medals because he played basketball, you know. And, and it's right. A, That's what I'm saying. So is it is it impressive? Like yes, he has the most, but is it impressive? Well, he's got more than any other swimmer, more than any other track and field guy or or woman. He's got. More than any other skier that skis multiple events, it's yeah for the multi-event. Yeah, someone's got to be the, the the most. Come on, I think I think it's impressive to say he has the most medals of any swimmer. But I I don't 
know. Like it's, I, I feel like it's we're doing like an apples to oranges thing where you, where if you're saying he's the greatest medal winner in Olympic history, it's because he competes in like twelve events every year. I know that that's that's why. If 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 the end <laughs> if, if basketball had one on one, two on two, three on three, <laughs> four on four, and five on five. <laughs> Then LeBron in a, James in a, in a foul shoot, in, in a foul shooting contest. And right. A, so like, <laughs> I, it's impressive for swimming, but I don't know. Like, what? Well, sure, whatever. Like, sure, somebody has to have it, but I don't know. Comparing it to basketball or some other sport, I don't know. It's a little weird, it's, but it's still impressive. It's yeah, still impressive. Yeah. No. That, that, that's that's what I went with it. And then it's interesting. Today, this day, July 31st, 2022, we rarely have that on this day in sports, but Bill Russell, um, all you Celtics fans out there, I I would like a Celtics fan to call if we are breaking the news to them. If any of those hardcore Celtics fans out there and you're hearing right now at 718 and 51 seconds that Bill Russell just died, that then uh then i'm going to take some uh, well, died today i'd be very died proud today no no if you're hearing it right now is what i'm right, saying right. Fr- from us that may be the first big news story we ever broke to some people share i mean that's a big sports news and and i didn't know it yeah it was big it was broken by you to me i i didn't know it how did you find out it's all over the sports world uh, i saw it on saw it on twitter this morning yeah yeah hmm. yeah it's big deal 88 uh, a couple of wild Bill. Bill you re- you ready? I don't really have a reference for him as a basketball player. I've only seen like little clips here and there, and I've never really sat down and watched games from that era. Um, even though they are accessible, like they are watchable, I've I've never really done it. Um, but like you see the reaction by the league and the rest of the player and the players who all love him. He was a really good spokesperson for the league even after he was in it. I know he was in like he was a judge for the dunk contest a lot. He was yeah, he yeah. stayed involved in different ways. Um he, yeah, it's he, a, it's, he a was tough, a, it's a tough one for the NBA. He was a combination. But, uh, had a, he had was, a heck of a career and a good and a heck of a life at eighty. He's a combination Dennis Rodman, but he could score and he could block shots. I mean he he was a rebounder, everything. Hello, you're on the air. Yeah, I was thinking about your uh, comparison there with uh, Michael Phelps' medals with comparing that to one-on-one, two-and-two, and three-on-three. And three. Well, that comparison only works if, say, you switch from one-on-one to two-on-two, but now you have to play with both your ankles tied together because in swimming, those are dramatically different events. The difference Ooh, I, between I'm gonna t- swimming, swimming side stroke versus swimming butterfly versus swimming freestyle generally there's different people that win those because it's really really hard to be the best in one and the best in the other you know that's like the long jump and the high jump so if we take the decathlon you know and start comparing all those different events that's more appropriate of a comparison so you know the person that wins long jump triple jump high jump that's more similar to what he's doing when you swim, when you got to have your legs together. When you swim, you got to be on your side. You swim when there's a whole different rules on what you got to do. And it's a very different body movement. Oh, caller, I will go to the mat fighting, disagreeing with you on this. Uh, there, I, I, I am the worst one-on-one basketball player ever, but I, I, I was a 20-point well, nobody to help in 5-on-5. But exactly, they are one-on-one 
is totally different than five on five, which is a totally different sport than three on three. I think it's. I think there's a comparison. No, I disagree with you. There. That's a strategy difference. But if you think oh. of running up and down the court and shooting the ball toward the rim, those are very similar movements. Whereas when you're in the water, it's more like really dramatically different strokes, which is more like high jumping or long jumping, depending on what you you know, or triple jumping. You know, there, you're there is really a there is a movement. totally different skill set you need to play one-on-one than you do to play I disagree. If you can't get the ball through the hoop, you're going to lose either way. And there's also, let me, let me jump in here. I'm not sure who I'm backing up in here, but I think <laughs> I'm backing up Jerry a little more than the caller because, number one, Phelps won like five different freestyle events and they're, they're, not, they're not different. And it's very well known the best freestylers can usually compete at a pretty high level with the the best butterflies and vice versa, so it's it's a little it's a little more similar um, in swimming from event to event, especially the different lengths of freestyle. I'll bet you, Mike. I'll bet you of those nineteen, I'm going to guess twelve or fourteen of them he was swimming freestyle. I don't know that for a fact. Well, even on that, you can compare the hundred yard dash to the two hundred to the four hundred to the marathon. Exactly the ten thousand. I mean, all of a sudden, look at the really dramatically different body styles that win. You know, the difference between the guy winning the marathon in the Olympics and the guy winning the 100-yard dash, their bodies look totally different from each other. Yeah, yeah. So somebody that can win both the 100 and the marathon, pretty amazing athlete. But the 100, the 200, and the 400 are pretty ten, sim- ten, just, just, just to give you the stat, Jim, 10 of his gold medals, 10 of his medals, excuse me, he has 23 total medals. 10 of his in 23 medals are in the freestyle. In the oh. Variations on three files. Well, okay, yeah. yeah including, you know, but, uh, including but he also won other stuff, too. You know, which is, you think oh, yeah. about being the best in the world at any given time. That's hard to do in one event, never mind multiples. Yeah, yeah. I, he, I, if I remember correctly, his best event, where I think he set most of his records, was actually in the butterfly, not in the freestyle. I think you're right. I, I, I think you're right. No, I think yeah. back. Well, I like well, that. Makes those seven freestyle medals sound pretty good. Then, if that's not even yeah. his best event, yeah. I'm I'm glad you put uh, you went toe to toe with Jerry there. That's um. I <laughs> usually oh, I, I, I usually want to call her. I want to sit call her. I want to sit down and have got a beer a, with you and keep going on this one. I got another. Call, I got another call. Listen up. <laughs> right. We we like your double dips. Listen up and uh, thank call, you. Call thank back. You. <laughs> Hello, you're on the air. I know a lot more about swimming than I do about basketball, but <laughs> I like it. One of the things that Bill Russell, who was quite an outstanding person, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was really sorry today when I heard that he had died, which I heard actually early this morning. I did not hear it from sports on, but Bill Russell is the person who took the defense, defensive playing off the floor. He was the first person who said, why do you just keep your feet on the floor? Why don't you go up? Huh. And he was the person who introduced the vertical defense. Mm-hmm. And it, that's not how basketball was played before that. So you're, so, ta- you're talking about shot blocking. I yes. think, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
So, and, and people, that's not how um, people play defense before Bill Russell. So if you don't know anything else about him, mm. then it's contributions to humanity and to the Celtics. That's and to Boston. Yeah. It's contribution to basketball is the verticality of um, the defensive role. So there you go. Yeah, you. I, I remember... I remember a friend of the show and one of my coaches and one of my other coaches in high school, Tim Anderson, who coached the the Fort Bragg boys for a long time when I was there. He always hated shot blocking because it was just you just hit. We're just hitting the ball out of bounds. And one of the things I remember everyone talking about Bill Russell, the little I did know about him was that he was a master of not only blocking shots, but getting the ball back and keep it. He would block a shot and get the ball and keep possession. Yeah, he did not. He, he did not. Um, he didn't use his shot blocking as a way to just go out of bounds. He thought exactly. it was an integral part of play. It wasn't yeah. just knock the ball out of bounds. It was it's, get it, control of the ball. It's funny, caller. That and, and I. I went back and when I heard this about him, I went back and watched some highlights of Bill Russell, and he he took it to such a. A different level of shot blocking. It wasn't this concept of shot blocking to show off and to, to try to beat the other player. It was to get the ball back. He would literally go up and just deflect the ball enough to keep it in play, not try to knock it yeah. out of bounds. Yeah. And I just remember watching watching the highlights of how many times um, I saw him do that. It was a science to him. Well, and it was also to, one of the things that Walt Chamberlain held against him. They had their um, differences for many years, which they reconciled enough to play together, but it was one of the things that Will Chamberlain really resented when they would play against one another. When they did that a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. And then to also really quickly, to really quickly comment on the just being a good person thing, uh, this is just one example of it, but he was in 2011 uh, given the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama, which is recognizing people that have made, quote, yeah. uh, uh, contributions to the security, national interests of the United States, world peace, culture, or other significant private endeavors. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. Not to mention that he worked with Martin Luther King. Yep, and absolutely. And he was the first black um, coach of any major sport. He also, I think, was the first player coach in, in, in basketball. He actually was the coach and a yes. player at the same time. Right, right. Oh, but when um, Auerbach, was Red Auerbach, right, um, right, right. retired. Yeah, Red Auerbach retired, and, and Bill Russell, until they found a new coach, became the coach and a player. Right. Yep. Well, thanks yep. th- Thanks for this knowledge on, on Bill Russell. I appreciate the call. He was a good man. Thank you. They had a great laugh. Yeah, jeez, we might have to might have to play that over the air. Indeed. I love it. Thank you, thank you. It's funny. I remember the laugh part because I remember him would he would be mic'd up sometimes during the dunk contest when he was oh, judging really? the dunk contest. Yeah, and he got caught up in all that all those shenanigans with those guys while they were judging the dunk contest. I'd say he was to shot blocking what. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was to the hook shot. He reinvented sure. the shot. Yeah, and there's still players in modern basketball that just all they do when they block shots is just swat the ball out of bounds. It's, They're considered great shot blockers. I know, I know. That's it. It turned into a 
what's the right word? It's like it's sort of it's, it's the defensive it's the it's the defensive equivalent of a dunk. Right. Now. Right. And and you don't just get the two points. You show off and you when when you do a dunk to make it a show. And that's right. what blocking shots is. You know, there are people like you know, LeBron brought back this chase down block and those very often he just nicks them and keeps them in play. Mm-hmm. And but so that's that's um Oh boy, that, that was a good one. And so that was this day today. Bill Russell died. Um, got another call, Jerry. Let's take it. You're on the air. Hey, how we doing tonight, guys? Hey, Vince. Took you half an hour to get in tonight. I know, I know. It's a radical idea that I call it all, but uh, here I am. <laughs> what do you got no, for I, us? I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes you got to ease your way in. You got to listen to the show. You got to hear some calls. You want to, you know. <laughs> You know, I know what's going on. So what do you think about it so far? Well, it's the typical, you know, you you bring up uh, uh, just a random topic and uh, it goes somewhere. You know, I mean, this day in sports wasn't really this day in sports with Bill Russell because it was this literal day in sports. So, but still, it's, it's gotten traction. And, um, I, you know, listening to the block shot thing, I it made me think of Tim Duncan. Um which I would think is probably the closest big man to the fundamentals that Bill Russell introduced to the game. But with a much better offense. Oh, for sure. I mean, at this point, I mean, Bill Russell was an anomaly when he played. So he was developing what was not even seen yet. You know, so yes, Tim Duncan was, was that version of that, but more refined because he'd been working on it for so long in an era where that was a, the norm. I mean, you see less of that these days because the big man's almost obsolete, whereas Tim Duncan was following in the Elijah one footsteps, the Kareem footsteps, things like that. So it, it's interesting to, to have someone like Bill pass and be able to, to, to revisit the world of basketball the way it was because it has changed so much from when I was a young man to an adult and from, you know, from Jim when you were young to an adult and, and especially from when Jerry was younger to an adult. So, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective. Jerry, I sort of thought, it, usually when I put my foot in my mouth and I catch myself, I'm just like, the, the clock is ticking. When's Jerry going to tell me I'm wrong? When's Jerry going <laughs> to tell me I'm wrong? He's going to look it up. Am I right? Does Tim Duncan score more per game than Bill Russell? Mm. I said that, and I, you know, and I realized I didn't hear it. Bill Russ, you weren't listening to my statement. I, I, I missed, I missed that line. No, I heard what you said. I said I Tim Duncan had line. a better offense, and and then I thought about it for a while. What do you think, Vince? Jerry, while you're looking it up, what do you think, Vince? Who scored more points per game? I got a feeling Russell may have. Well, that's that's a trick question because I would assume Russell did based upon the error he. Played. In and the level that he was above everybody else. Right, right. Whereas Duncan, but Duncan, I mean, overall, career wise, I would, I would say it's less than 10 points a game difference. So over a 12 year NBA career, Bill Russell averaged 15.1. And over a 18 year career, Tim Duncan averaged 19. So yes. four more yeah. points per game. There you go. Hmm. Wow. It's, so so that, that's a low number for Bill Russell, 15, I thought. I, I didn't expect it to be that low. Uh, yeah, wow. That's, that's um, okay. So hearing that number, I immediately knew Tim Duncan was higher. 
I'm going to also assume that shot blocked shots were not tracked in Bill Russell's career because it is not listed in any of his stats. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, and that's what he's yeah. known for. Well, do you know, Jerry, have they ever done this? Or Vince, do they ever go back and watch every one of his games on film and see how many shots he blocked? Oh, I mean, that could be, be done. That would be, be a bodacious uh, undertaking. Yeah, sure, but, but with today's technology, I mean, it could be done pretty easily. There's no way that has not been done. I guarantee there's a stat out there that knows how many block shots Bill Russell has. Google Jerry. What do you got? I'm working on it. There has to be, <laughs> there has to be a number. But that's the thing is, like, so he was in an era where he created a, a category for statistics. Right? I mean, that's I'm not sure how far after he retired that block shot became a statistic, but he had to have created in the minds of NBA people, this needs to be a stat. Have you We've got to keep track of that. Have you ever heard? Okay, so go ahead, Jer. Well, here, here's what I've got so far. Uh, it, it, this is not statistically backed up in any way. So they didn't start tracking block shots until 1973. Um, so a, a few years after Russell uh, had retired, referees from that era have speculated that he averaged somewhere between six and eight blocks per game. Are you kidding me? And what's the right now? It's good to have two blocks a game, isn't it? Yeah, one, yeah, one, one point eight five or whatever. Yeah, two, two. Yeah, I mean that. He would have six blocks, and the detractors would say he was just taller than everybody. But um, Will, Chamberlain, Will Chamberlain didn't have those kind of blocks. No, I, I don't. Yeah, Jim, you could be taller than somebody. I've seen short guys block tall guys. I mean, no, I know, I know. I, I, I was yeah, a decent shot blocker as a, as a shorter player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we know basketball, man. That's all about timing and, and rhythm. And But again, when you're introducing something, other players probably weren't ready for it. And I'm sure the pump fake wasn't invented yet or tried yet or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So he, he got to create things due to the fact they weren't, they weren't really seen yet. So there are some there are some asterisks to any kind of record he might hold or anything yeah but he just does, think, but just think of the, the the just i mean that stat itself if if he blocks seven shots a game on average yeah think yeah. about that that's um almost four times the amount of the best shot blocker today that would be like someone it, averaging a hundred yeah. hundred points a game four times Jerry, the amount. how many <laughs> how many games did they play a year during his era uh, I don't know. That's another good I mean, good insight as well. Well, we're talking about average uh, here. Forty-eight yeah. to eighty-one in terms of games played. Oh. Like that, that the, the the minimum was forty-eight, and by and that was in nineteen fifty-six, and then in nineteen sixty-seven, which is two years before he retired, he played an eighty-one game season. Okay. Yes, you're you're right, Jim. It's still an average, but if you're yeah. in game forty compared to game seventy five, you're maybe may resting a little bit more, maybe not taking as many. Ch- I don't know. The numbers could be swayed a little bit, but okay. So he still played a few years in, in that longer season. No, I, I, I um. Hold on here, Jerry. You still looking something up? No, no, I'm good. Um. Um. Well, any, anything else in the same sports that I missed? Um, you know, um, Kevin Garnett was traded for seven players, the most people ever traded for one player. And that, Ma- yeah, I, and Michael yeah, I Phelps. Heard that. It was, 
Yeah, no, that's that's about it. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, summertime's kind of a tough one unless it's an Olympic year, um, which I get. I assume is where Michael Phelps fell in. Yes, yeah, and it's it's weird just because like you see it a little bit in the the topics that the national sports media is forced to coverage or to cover because yeah. right now yeah. there's just nothing else to really talk about in a lot of ways. Like there's. Again, like if you look at national sports media and what they like talking about, yeah. the only thing to talk about right now is baseball in terms of an ongoing sport. And so they're just trying to get the, – the national media needs football to start desperately when you talk about oh, like national oh. sports stories. They are salivating well, for well, next I mean, week when I mean, the preseason starts. Oh, which is I, – I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, it's right. It's August already. Team and Christmas. But so now we're going to roll into this whole, yes, NFL – college football which has some huge topics of you know the movement of teams the uh, basically maximizing of confidence you talk about like uh, uh, power teams in the nba when kevin garner gets, gets gets traded what about these conferences now that are stacking teams and changing the whole landscape of how uh and, and basically an industry is run i mean it's it, it's kind of interest especially a, a quote-unquote amateur industry hmm. Let me take another call, Vince. Listen up. Um, we still got 20 minutes here, and we got some interesting topics. Be back. You're on the air. Hi, it's Tim from Moscow, Idaho, and I'm going to wrench the sports line away from basketball for just a minute. Okay. <laughs> we love it. And I want to just quickly touch on the um, women's Tour de France, which just finished off today, or was it yesterday? That went oh anyway, so, so that started on the show week. last week and now it's over. Yep, it, it it only has eight stages. The men's has twenty one stages. Let me just run down the numbers here. Um, the men had one hundred and seventy six riders start. The women had one hundred and forty four riders start. There were twenty two men's teams, twenty four men women's teams. So there were eight members in the men's team and six in the women's team. Um, the men covered about 2,068 miles, and the women covered 639 miles. And just to tell you who won, the overall classification, otherwise known as the yellow jersey, went to Annemiek van Vluten of the Netherlands. The green jersey, that's for the sprinters, went to Mariana Voss, once again, of the Netherlands. I don't have the, the teams. The, yep, the polka dot jersey, that's for the... Uh, otherwise known as the Queen of the Mountains or the King of the Mountains, if you're on the men's side, went to Demi Valring once again from Netherlands. Are you detecting a wow. trend here? Is, is, and, is, I got so many questions for you, but keep going, Tim. And the white jersey, and that goes to the best young rider, went to Sharon Van, I'm not trying to get her last name right, but Anne Rouge, and once again from Netherlands. And I have to throw this in, um, the 19th, or rather the 9th, Finisher overall, which is a great result, uh, went to a woman who graduated from Moscow High School in 2012. So nice. a, little Idaho, a little Idaho glory there. Wow. And her name is Veronica Ewers. Do you know her? Um, no. Do you know the family? Uh, I mean, it's just curious. Nope, I, I, I do not. It's it's a, not a small town. Is, so is this an outlier, Tim, or or do men show well in in the Netherlands in bicycling as well? Oh yeah, no, no, no. The, the men are the, the the Netherlands men are always in the hunt. Huh. Um, but but once again, um, the men's sport is is a much bigger sport, 
and the French are um, crazy for it, the Spanish, the Italians, the English, the Australians. So there's a lot of, and even like um, Tajikistan, um, there are a lot of uh, men who ride bikes and are, are competitive. And, uh, I mean, this is this is just the first uh, women's in, a lo- in several years, so it's um, everyone has to up their game a bit. Is anyway, Tim... Can I ask you one more question? Can I ask another one? Other, one other question about this, because you're the sure. you're the bike the bike expert. Now. I knew that bike <laughs> for sure. Uh, so it looks like she won the the outright winner won by three minutes and forty eight seconds total. Is that yeah. a blowout? Is that close over eight stages? What is, where does that? What's the margin of victory? That, that that's that's a pretty big pretty big margin of victory. Um, okay. Uh, um, Van Vluten is a is she's fantastic, and she was riding um, much of the time not feeling well, so she is clearly head and shoulders above uh, most of her competitors. But I have to say this: I I, I didn't watch um, a live feed. I just watched the highlights, and it was great. It was just like watching the men. Um, for the most part, uh, the women really can put the pedal down, um, and they are the right. Uh, size. Uh, they have a lot of good power-to-weight ratio, and um, I was uh, blown away. I thought it was very entertaining. The crowds were large. Um, it was just good um, bike racing all around. When you told Love me it. last week, you explained how the uh, how biking truly is a team sport, which which was totally new to me. Um, I knew like the U.S. post officer or something like that had a team in it once, but I just thought they sent a bunch of riders. I didn't realize they worked together till, till you brought this up last week. The question I have is, you, can you just enter by yourself, or do you have to enter with a team in, bike, in, in, a, in a Tour de France bike race? Well, that's, that's a question I can't answer, but I'm going to guess that, uh, no, you just can't enter as a solo rider um, mm. because I, I'm not even sure... Why they would bother? Because you're you're not going to. You would have a chance. Yeah. Okay. No, you you would just be be blown away. Hmm. And another fun fact: um, cyclists burn about ten thousand calories. Is that right? No, that's too high. I'm going to say eight thousand calories um, on a, a given stage. So the question yeah. is, how do they how do they recoup those calories? So once again, a, a question that I can't answer, but. <laughs> But I find it interesting. I don't know. I love it. Just, Good stuff. All right. Thanks. So, that that so was we, another bicycle segment here by Tim from Moscow. There you go. Thanks, Tim. Jared, you know, I didn't get that question out there. And I'm assuming those, those, um, those, what do you call them? Those awards, the yellow jersey, the polka dot jersey, the green jersey, all that stuff. They give those exact same jerseys to the men, I'm assuming. Yeah, it is. I, the, it is the, I want the polka dot jersey. It is a tour. What was it for? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. And I, <laughs> I feel bad that I don't. But I would like the polka dot jersey. Yellow, green, whatever. Polka the polka dot, dot jersey. Polka dot might have been. Might have been the, the the new youngest player. The the the, the up and that was I, the white jersey. I remember that was the white jersey. And we're we're that's our equivalent to rookie of the year, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'd uh, like climber, to have, best wait, climber. Jared, we only have fifteen. We only have fifteen minutes left, which which is which is great. Um, I do want to repeat the. Um, we haven't got a. Our first caller got half the 
the sports phone trivia question. I just want to throw it out there for some people that may be listening now that didn't hear it at the beginning. Uh, we have 15 minutes, and we, we do not have a winner yet. We only have a half winner. Um, the sports phone trivia question of the night is, two sports have been played on the moon. One was golf, which was which was um, given by our first caller, and it was Mr. Shepard, Alan Shepard? Yes. Yeah, um, Alan Shepard played golf on the moon, and the second one, we haven't got an answer to yet. What's the second sport that has been played on the moon? It is a track and field event, because someone guessed it was the long jump or the high jump, and we get, we did admit it is a track and field event. Did, do we ever get an answer to our, our question is, how much gravity is there on the moon? So, oh, I, so I no, we know just know it, there is gravity. I mean, c- c- yeah, I know, So, but... Is there a little enough that if there was a triple jump, you know what the triple jump is? Yeah. If yeah. you did the triple jump, would would you go like two and a half miles? I have no idea. <laughs> I want to know. I have no idea. <laughs> or would you just go, you know, a hundred yards, like the length of a football field on a triple jump? That's a great question. <laughs> right. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. We welcome double dipping and triple dipping. Uh, if you want to jump back in, give us a call. Uh, we just got through this day. Jared, you, were we in the middle of something when when Tim? No, called? pick a pick a topic. Let's uh, let's make sure we it's it's time appropriate. Yeah, pick a. I, I want to skip the one we 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 pulled in late last week. I want to skip that one and go. I, I oh, we got something a little more funny here. The 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 oh, what are they called? I'm calling them the soft helmets. Let's hear. Oh, it. we're gonna talk about some guardian caps. Guardian caps. This is unbelievably this is, stupid. <laughs> See. I don't know if it's st- oh, it's on. with good intention, oh, but it's it it. I don't know. It, I don't know if it's, it's 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 a weird one to say is funny, but again, it has like a comical aspect to it because of what it is. So, for anyone that's that's not aware, what a guardian cap is, it's essentially a it's a padded hat that it's, it's a, a helmet for hat. a helmet. It's a helmet for a helmet. That's really what it is. So where this is coming from is the NFL uh, has mandated that up through the the first two weeks of the postseason, so meaning uh, up until you complete your second postseason, sorry, not postseason, preseason game, um, that offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and tight ends are being required to wear this thing called a guardian cap, which, as Jim explained, it's a helmet over their helmet, it's a padded shell, basically, that goes over their helmet that was put into play uh, and made mandatory by the league for those positions in an effort to limit head injuries in the preseason. In- the, the NFL has said that uh, two players making contact, uh, that both are wearing it, it's about a 20% drop in the risk of head injuries, 10% if one player is wearing it. The blowback against the helmets has come from coaches and players that have basically said you're giving players a confidence to use their head that isn't going to be correct or isn't going to be fair once they get into a game. So uh, the the quote from from the head coach of the New York Jets, he said – too much of anything is a bad thing. It softens the blow. It's kind of lending players to use their heads a little bit more. 
And then he essentially says, what's going to happen when you take the helmets off and then you have more helmet-to-helmet contact? And this was something that was uh, echoed by a couple uh, defensive linemen who had voiced similar concerns. Um, we've talked about concussions a lot on this show. That was, I think, one of our very early topics in the in the life cycle of the, of the sports phone. We talked about a lot. I don't know what to make of this because I, I understand where the NFL is coming from, Jim, and we're, we want to limit injuries in the preseason as much as we can. But I also see the players' point of view with this of, in a way, you're almost just encouraging more helmet-to-helmet contact because you're not making games and practices the same thing. If the guardian cap, the helmet, the padding that goes over the helmet, it doesn't weigh very much. It doesn't slow you down. If it works, why aren't we wearing it all the time? There's so much stupid about this. If it really does work, uh, and when we were doing this off the air before the show, you you gave me an answer to that question, and and I'm like, really? The only reason we're not wearing these things in in games, if it if they prevent. Uh, long-term concussion syndrome injuries is because they don't look good. Were you, in, in were you the, serious about that? In the in the form that they are now, I guarantee you, if this was discussed in an NFL executives or like NFL board meeting, saying, "Hey, we should just wear these in the season, like in actual games," I guarantee you, someone said, "No way, they look stupid." Because <laughs> you're, I mean. they're just a single flat color. And you're, shell and you're, the well, they they could still put the logos on them. They could sure, make them they look could, really they, cool, but they'd have to make it look better. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make of this because I, I, I it's, it'd be like I, I don't know. Like, it's it's. I'm trying to think of like a basketball comparison. Ankle, sport, ankle guard, and you wear an ankle brace to prevent yourself from spraining your ankle. Yeah, but you can wear an ankle brace in a game. Oh, that's also. what I, that's what I mean. That's, right, so that's it's like, whole I do see your point of this, where it's like, if it's truly going to make the game safer, they should just make everyone wear them at all times. I, I, but at the same time, I, I see the, the NFL's coming from it in the sense of injuries before the season starts are just devastating, not only for the player, but also for the team, for the fan base, and then for the NFL, if it's a high-caliber player, like from a money standpoint. So doing things to try to limit that, I totally get it. But I also see where the players are coming from with this, where they're, they're creating a, an unreal environment, a, a, I guess unreal or not perfect environment to compare to actual games, which could potentially backfire and lead to more injuries. You're on the air. Yeah, you know, in boxing, when you're doing amateur boxing, you wear headgear. And there's a reason for that. And having been hit in the head many times, I would much prefer to be hit in the head wearing headgear than I would with no headgear. It slows the blow down. It helps. And um, it's also true with different weights of gloves you use when you're boxing. You open the professionals, you know, the lower levels, you're using bigger, you know, more padded gloves. And, you know, the boxes, you get to the pro level where you're wearing the light gloves, and that's more to keep your hand from getting broken than it is to actually soften the blow. But the question of how safe anyone should be really is an open question because what is the sport you know horses would run better if they didn't have riders on them i mean you know i mean they'd be safer right they wouldn't have that weight on their back you know but what is it you're trying to accomplish 
you know, in wrestling, when you're in high school, you always have to wear ear protection because you get cauliflower ears and, you know, and that's nasty when you get that and it, you know, just stings like crazy. But then you get to international levels and they don't have to wear them. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of rules like this in, in many different sports. Look at the big scandal that happened. I mean, Tour de France, when they first started making them wear helmets, the guys were saying, oh, we can't see good enough out of Same thing the motorcycle rider said, right? You know, we can't yep. see out of them good enough or this and that. And, you know, and uh, so the helmets became a big deal when these guys started crashing, you know, coming down these steep downhills. And, you know, you can't even react quick enough not to have your head just scraping along the pavement. And and they found out that they're a lot safer when they're wearing those helmets. So it really, but the guys didn't want to do it because it's just not macho. It's not cool. It's not whatever. So you have a bunch of different forces going at the same time. And so when it's a spectator sport, you know, some people want to see the gladiators kill each other. You know, so you really do have to deal with that. Jerry, yeah, and, and, and that's like the the inherent battle. And this is something we talked about with player safety in football and, and other sports. But I think we focused on it in football earlier, and like like I said, earlier in the life cycle of the show, the the battle that the NFL has or any contact sport or combat sport, and I would put the NFL football borderline combat sport. They have to maintain what the sport is and make sure it looks right while trying to implement player safety. And it's like, it's this weird balancing act that the NFL has, has to, has had to do in the last 10 years, first with concussions and then with hitting players below the, the, the waist and all these things where they've tried to make the game safer, but they've always had to be aware of, we can't make it not look like football. My theory, um, caller is what I, I think what you opened my eyes to, caller, was there's other issues besides just pure safety. There, there's there's other issues. Um, there's money. There's um, what it looks like. There's what the sport is supposed to look like. There are other issues besides. If it was pure safety, we've already we would have already developed a better helmet. That's 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 my theory. Um, well, wouldn't we put them all inside of a big bubble, like a beach ball, so they wouldn't get hurt? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like very saying, you know, it's like, how do you stay with the tradition that keeps the audience, keeps the money flowing, while at the same time trying to, uh, the only reason that a lot of people started caring about, caring about safety for their players, one, they wanted to keep their good players, but two, they started having to pay out for people getting hurt. Yep. And when, you know, when, this, um, when they started having the concussion protocols, all of a sudden it starts costing them money. And now you're yep. seeing extra padding on the helmet. Got another call. Yep, we're down, we're down to two minutes. I got another call. Thanks for your, thanks for your insight caller. Hello. You're on the air. Got about a minute, minute and a half. Oh, hi. Good evening. This is Mike and Mikaya. Yeah. I've got a couple of uh, questions for you guys. Um, one of them is, which is the most watched sport on TV? And the other one is, which sport is the loneliest sport? Loneliest? Yes. Hmm. Are we talking globally or in the United States for watched sport on TV? Uh, globally. Soccer, 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 I would, soccer. I, I, I would say, yeah, I don't know if it's true, but soccer would be my guess. What I do well, know... You're wrong. It's the uh, 
Tour de France. Really? Oh, sure, sure. I could see that. But okay. so I, what, I, what about the what about the loneliest sport? Well, so then, and, and I don't know how much time we have to go into this. I, I feel like we're going to get into like a a debate here of what is a sport because I would argue like if someone's trying to like solo climb Mount Everest, that's pretty lonely. What do you mean lonely? So, Give me a definition of lonely. Well, the furthest away from that's the least human contact. Okay, so the less amount of fans too. That's all part of it. Yeah. Jeez, I. I don't know. I, I don't know. Sailing across, sailing across the ocean. But that's the one solo around the world. Uh, that's that's the loneliest. Huh. Sure, I could see that. So you you came in with a trivia question. Um, we, we only got a, we only have thirty <laughs> seconds left. I like it. No, no, no. There's two good questions. I, I, yeah. I, soccer was just my instinct answer, but I could absolutely see internationally it being cycling or some. Or the Tour de France specifically. I believe, caller, that the stat that I heard about um, uh, football, f- football, uh, soccer, is that it's the it's the highest participating sport in in sports. We got we got to go. More people play it than than any other sport. That's it, Jer. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week. It'll be the first August edition of the Sports Phone in 2022. Uh, thanks, everyone, for calling and listening, and we will talk to everybody next week. We've got the jazz program, Sunday Evening Jazz, coming in next in about 34 seconds. Jared, as usual, thanks for the Sports Phone. I'm actually going to uh, end today's show with, uh, with who uh, a quote by the man that um, talked, uh, got us going with a sports phone, you might say. His name is Fred Guzman, and he he told us all, if you can't be a good sport, don't play. See you next week. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.